Welcome to My Media Life, brought to you by the World Media Group. My name is Belinda Barker. In this series of podcasts, we talk to the movers and shakers from across the media industry. And today I'm going to be talking to Amir Malik, who's the Managing Director of Digital Transformation at Accenture Song. And I always think of him as an evangelist in all things digital. So Amir started, it's your first real job at Google, is that right? And then the Daily and the Mail and the Mirror. Yeah. You had had a kind of a grounding in, in media before moving to the consulting side. I shouldn't have said welcome, actually, right <laughs> off, but we certainly slid into this. How are you doing, Amir? I'm good. I'm really happy to to see you again. Obviously, we've just seen the Cannes Lions and had the chance to meet our colleagues there in a post-pandemic, post-COVID world. It's the second Cannes since since COVID, and I think it was it was the better Cannes, and it was brilliant to see everybody and just get together with such an international group of people really good feeling good feeling great right thank you again for joining our panel on generative ai and the implications for marketing but that's not the objective of this podcast what we really want to understand a little bit more about is you and your motivations and your relationship with media so starting off what yes, what does the media industry mean to you? And do you still consider yourself to be part of the media industry? Okay, so let me I'll answer the first question. I'll unpack the first part of your question yep. and then I'll move to the final part of your question. So the media industry for me is from a I guess a broader view, a less subjective, less personal view, is the most important industry because it's the basis of how we acquire information as a society, as a community. The publishers and the media kind of entities that exist all effectively are responsible for how our society, how people get information. And I think that is super important, right? And so the quality of media and the ethics behind how information is shared and the the watershed times of what information is shared and to which audience, for instance, all these themes are massively important and media as an industry, I think, is really important. Right? Now, on a personal level, for me, media is a very accessible industry. It is a wonderful place to begin your career. It is a industry that's very welcoming. There's always like job flow in the media industry. It's changing. It goes from analog to digital, which we've seen over the last what, 20 years. But there's because people need information and interact with content, in an open content economy, media is everywhere. And therefore, if you're looking to get into a professional career and you don't know what you want to do, you can try media. And I find it to be filled with the best and worst people, right? So it wouldn't be fair to say it's got the worst people only, 
because actually you'd find that scale is there in both ways. And that's been my experience. Do I consider myself media still? The reality is, from my point of view, that I had to upskill myself and diversify my my industry expertise beyond media, I think. And that was important in terms of taking my personal ambition and my career interest to the next level. I still believe that I can, I'd be considered a media professional. I embrace that title as well. But I definitely work beyond media in my Accenture role. I noticed that you had done a master's in social anthropology at Oxford. And I was, I have to admit, I was slightly surprised about that. I don't know why I presumed you would have done pure math or or something like that. So what, do you mind me asking, what was the stepping stone across? Yeah, so the it's a very it's a, it's a it's not an uncommon question. So I studied humanities. I studied English and history and politics. I majored in history. Then I went on to do social anthropology and the study of religions. And I've always academically been attracted to those subjects, to the humanities and the arts. Personally, I was an early user, early adopter of the internet. Even from back in school, I used to go in and say, I was talking to my friend in Canada yesterday, and they told me that this new release is coming out and it's amazing, or they've, they managed to get their hands on their new album and they love it. And people in school, how are you talking to someone in Canada? What do you mean? That's not true time zones. And I'll be like, I'll talk through the internet. And it was clear, if you look at the early 90s, Not many people, especially teenagers, were using the internet. And so then I started building websites and I was actually generating income through web development, through using tools, digital tools. All the while, my studies were focused on humanities. And that's because I'm son of an antiques dealer on my mom's side. And my dad, he worked in accounting, but he was lover of history and very well read and we had a in our house like a library basically of of history books that I'd engage with from a young age and and I think that's where my interest came from and anthropology was like the next level down in terms of understanding you know social phenomenon understanding societies you could do an anthropological study on wild dogs in in Greece if you wanted to right to the emergence of religion as well and how people build meaning in society and attribute meaning to different things and i think that also lended really well to my marketing kind of industry play because i start to be able to draw links between how brands want to impact people how advertising works and and then when you've got the technology and layer in there that's what gave me my edge i think I was able to see it was right place, right time, to be honest with you, around the pivot to digital and that sort of historical research methods analysis that I could apply to any given situation in, in, in business. But what, in a nutshell, could you describe what your current role is and perhaps what's the best bit of it? 
Yeah. So I, I, I work in digital transformation. I run marketing transformation. And that basically is if you were to chunk up a sort of Fortune 500 company, blue chip company, you'd organize the visual of that company across various towers of the organization from corporate functions, HR, finance, to data, to customer and marketing. And in that category, I lead an organization or a business in Accenture with multiple partners and a whole practice of far more intelligent and far more talented people than me who can go in and actually advise clients from strategy to delivery. So to execute as well against plans and ambition around how they bring their business up to speed. In fact, future facing state of the art in terms of customer communications, marketing communications, use of technology, use of data, uh, and how we work more broadly across their organization. And that's been what I've been most attracted to in my Accenture role. And I have the the opportunity to drive it. And the transformation as a word, which is a consulting term, digital transformation, you know, customer transformation, marketing transformation. Everything trans- has to be transformation at the yeah. moment. Transformers. <laughs> so we we are we basically are looking at the problem in a positive way but the business case around change is critical to any successful kind of client engagement or client we work with and that means that if you look at the history of the FTSE or NASDAQ companies exist they form they rise they do really well then they decline and then they disappear. And it's not that their industry disappears. They disappear within an industry, which means they lose business. They lose customer. They lose relevancy. They fail to adapt and evolve their operating model in a way which is fit for purpose. And I think that legacy risk of being legacy, remaining legacy, affects most companies as they they go into stagnation and they just look at the core of their business. And so what we try and do is transform that in terms of value-oriented plays, right? So not just the pie in the sky, but how can we engineer change evidence through value realization? And that's the purpose of transformation and consulting. And it's highly addictive, it's it's difficult, but it's also very fun at the same time. Do, do you have any media companies as clients? Have you advised any in, in terms of trans, digital transformation? Yeah, I would say... You don't have to name names. No, I can't <laughs> name them because by the fact what I've just detailed is mm. what, the burning platform for transformation might have a negative connotation, but it's a reality. Mm. But absolutely, absolutely, right? And if you look at the, and I'll tell you an interesting fact now, is that the internet companies, the unicorns, whatever you want to call them, they are now, they're grandpas now. They're no longer young companies. 
they are in need of transformation. And we're witnessing that now. So the S&P 500, the software and platform companies that were the most valued companies in the world, they face risk now because they've got age and they've got big and they've got competition. And this is not unique to a small group of you know, quote-unquote legacy businesses. This is facing, this is something that all businesses are facing as a challenge, right? Their readiness, their adaptation. And yeah, and as I said, some of those companies, they're getting long at the tooth. So they need to maybe rethink their model or create, I guess, new approaches, address any blockers or obstacles within their own business to ensure they don't fall behind. So it's a, it's a very interesting time in, in consulting, particularly in transformative consulting and looking at restructuring with the economic climate as well. So it's, uh, it's something that I think applies to all, almost all businesses. You know, the, at the beginning, you were talking about what the media industry was to you and the information challenges that we have. Where do you get your news from? A really good question. So I, so that has changed over time. So 10 years ago, I would have a one to two publications that I'd frequently read. Um, and over the last like, 10 to 12 years, the quality of information, particularly in literary form, written form, has it's just so varied on all publications that it's very difficult to curate. So for me, I will read almost all the industry body publications and I tend to curate that reading around real kind of business engagement, business articles. So companies are profiled in there evidence through company referencing, evidence through individuals, professionals, rather than opinion-oriented, right? That's still good, but I look to to hear from the companies themselves and see that kind of credibility within those industry publications. When it comes to per- like, like personal news, we are in a very strange time. So I remember when UGC, user-generated content, was like, a no-go. You couldn't even dream of advertising on it. It was like you if you get caught with the ads of a company running on a user-generated piece of content because it was considered to be low quality, unreliable, not verified, that was a huge problem. Now, how many people spin up podcasts, gain millions of views, go viral, and they could they could be they could believe that the earth is flat. They could believe that aliens control governments. But they have millions of views and suddenly get big sponsorship programs around their content. So we are in a strange time. Like, what do you, where do you get information from? I still personally just, what I used to watch on TV has moved to VOD, video on demand and subscription VOD, but I choose what I watch. So Amazon Prime is a big platform for me. Right. If I want to watch content, I'll watch Prime. I'll watch documentaries. I like to watch through Prime. And 
YouTube wise, I watch a lot of history documentaries. There's certain business podcasts I like to listen to. I like Bloomberg, for instance, New York Times and Bloomberg. They were two of my core kind of media publishers, but I read a bit of everything. So you mentioned kind of New York Times, Bloomberg and podcasts. Would you largely listen to their podcasts or, or do you also read their content online? I read their content. So if I look at the New York Times, for me, for someone who studied that maybe, I don't know, but the quality of the writing is still much better than many of the broader publications. So there's an there's a element there where they've invested in journalism, which works. Now, is that sustainable? I don't know. If you look at Vice, I would have argued Vice was a popular visual, what's the word? Not tele-news, but I guess online streaming news that I would engage with. They're gone, basically. So we're in an interesting time, but New York Times for me and the FT, Bloomberg, that's what I like to read. And then I, I read a bit of everything else. So just to finish off, for anybody who's listening, particularly those who either at the beginning of their career or potentially looking at joining the media industry. So let's think about people who might just be looking to come in or joining you. You started off saying there are some of the best people and some of the worst people in the media industry. But what bit of advice would you give to somebody looking at it with fairly fresh new eyes why would you want to join it how do you get on with it yeah i was being slightly provocative around the worst and <laughs> best people right we, the best people are out there helping real people in trouble and the worst people are doing atrocities but the in the media industry you'll see a good full spectrum of of, of people and i think if you are looking to join an industry media will get you engaged quickly there's so many industry bodies like your company belinda and that you can get involved in, that you can start to follow. There are so many themes and topics that are emerging across data to creative to technology, right? What platforms, there are controversial themes and it links right back into society as well. Google, TikTok and how we consume information. So you're picking an amazing industry and what I'd advise is the key a few things were very important for my success personal success and my personal kind of enjoyment of the industry and that has been that you don't necessarily join companies and leave companies you join bosses and leave bosses so if you're joining the industry and you've the luxury of choosing where you want to work for someone that you admire that's my one of my key advices that you you feel you can learn from that you can trust and also commit to whatever you do, right? Until you, whilst you start to build up your knowledge base and acquire knowledge, knowledge sells, knowledge will sell you. So if you think about everything you ask for and you, you want to attain from your career, and I know it's early, you won't know some of those things, I didn't. But what I can tell you is the more knowledge you acquire, the more that those the quality of your decisions will improve. And that could be whatever role you take, try to be the best at it. Try to learn all you can about it. And also I'd say, don't just leave that job for another job because the other job sounds good. One of my mentors gave me advice which said, don't think about your next job. 
think about your job after your next job. And that was really important. And I think that you then hit the transition point where you land in a role which you can grow, you can own, and you know the company needs you, and you offer that that impact to the company at scale, and you're rewarded for it. That's important as well. That's interesting. That the whole thinking, not just that job, the next one. What's going to get you from A to Z, as it were? Interesting. So you have a pretty full-on job and three quite young children. What do you do to switch off? You got me there. (laughs) Don't switch off. (laughs) This is a hard one because I'm recently in the three club, the three children club, recent member. And so I'm still adjusting, to be quite frank with you. I think if I was to speak plainly, the more that you drive impact through your experience and what the quality of your decisions, the less your job should be burdensome on you. And I think that's been a big factor in me trying to get that balance right. If I look at the energy I had before I had my three children, in terms of my career, even if I had the same energy, I just didn't know what I know now. You just can't know unless you get the experience. And that would have been really tough, I think. So I empathize massively with people that have families. And I think that life finds a way, really. So so I, I definitely have developed and taken on mentoring and advice from people around how to leave work with work and to understand that any issue you face at at work, the best response is to have a problem resolution mindset, right? So how do you resolve the problem? Approach it like a problem that needs resolving, not that needs you know, any other array of response, which probably be counterproductive, make the situation worse. And there's nothing that's too shocking, right? And there's nothing that's, this is, this we sometimes, the other thing, you can become quite inward looking in, in any career or profession and you can lose sight of the bigger picture. And I think you that's important. you mentoring a couple of times. Have they, has that all been with, within Accenture or have you had mentoring from outside and do you ever do mentoring? So I had really good advice at a very early stage in my career and to those that start in their career that identify mentors, approach them for mentoring and as you graduate through your career, the impact and the type of mentor you need will also evolve and change but you could also retain a mentor because they're so experienced that they help you at every junction i've always had mentors i believe in it massively i have a limited view of how i see the world around me and how i understand events that are directed at me if somebody else outside of me can see and give me a view that I can't see, there is so much value in that because we do suffer with reality distortion at times. We do misinterpret 
there's impact intended by a third party and there's impact felt by yourself. And so mentors have always been part of that journey. So I'm lucky in Accenture, I've got Maurice Biriotti of SHM. He's one of my mentors and he's been massively impactful in terms of how I kind of approach complex situations, navigate huge responsibility for the business. And then I've had mentors and advisors like David McMurtry at Google, who I massively admire. And at every point, if I didn't have those mentors, I may not have had the, made the best decisions. My dad used to say, Legends isn't about, you know, what you can't know everything. You know, Socrates, I know that I know not. It's about the quality of your decisions. And so sometimes when you don't know, ask those who know and you'll make a better decision. Uh, and I think that's important, really important in your career. That's fantastic, Amir. I'm, I am inspired <laughs> and I'm going to go out a, and find myself a mentor and look at seeing whether I can do more in terms of mentoring. I feel that it's perhaps a two-way street. Fascinating to talk to you. Uh, and I know, oh, I know, I hope we will get to talk again soon. You're, it's just such a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak here. And always a pleasure to meet you, Belinda, honestly. And thank you for all the support that WMG shows Accenture, shows myself as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers.